0: Uh, nursery kiddos that hadn't made it out yet, you're welcome to head on up there and uh, have a good morning back there. And as I uh, began to think and pray about this opportunity, and I usually do so, you know, months ahead, you're thinking about Easter. And one of the bigger things I've thought about is just the the human experience, (laughs) what it is to be a human being on this planet and to walk it and live it, the emotions, the experiences, and the joys, the highs, and the lows that we all walk through. It's it's pretty amazing to look at human beings who face tragedy or struggle or disease or cancer and the human spirit wells up inside them and they have this thing we call hope. And when you have hope, it's amazing what can happen, isn't it? It's amazing what can happen when somebody has hope and they are willing to go and, and just put their lives on the line and to fight for something they, they believe in, to fight for the opportunity to live, to overcome disease, to overcome sickness, And as we think about that and we consider it this morning, I want us to consider hope. And I even tried to to look up hope in the Oxford uh, English Dictionary and online, of course. I don't have a real one that you open up. I don't know if my kids have seen those too often. But uh, I opened it up and there's 14 different little definitions they try to give. And uh, hope is so challenging to define. It's it's something that you can describe, and yet you can't really get your mind around. Uh, I found no definition to me that fit well. And I wonder this morning, uh, you know, what do you hope for, or what is hope to you? How would you define hope, and in what situations have you felt hope the most in your life? Uh, Maybe you are thinking right now of a specific person who you saw the hope in their life and, and they went through a tough time, or they just always seemed to be hope-filled and a joyful person. I want you to think of that person and the qualities that you see in them, uh, and, and there is our description of hope. It begins to uh, come about, and we begin to uh, perhaps grasp it a little bit better, um, I would say hope is better described than defined, and it's more of a perspective than a prescription. In other words, I can't just sit here and say, do this, this, and this, and you will have hope. But it's a perspective that you can have. Now, just as powerful as hope is, there's something just as powerful, and it's hopelessness. I don't know if you've ever experienced hopelessness, but... uh, Holocaust survivor, uh, Victor Frankl, you may have heard of him. He spent years in Auschwitz in the Chow, uh prison, and he wrote that he was able to survive because he never let go of hope. Yeah, he said they knew when a fellow prisoner had lost hope. It would start by being slow to get out of bed in the morning, and then to the pleas of his fellow prisoners, they would come and say, get out, you're going to get hurt. Even the threats of the guards wouldn't stop them, and soon that prisoner was gone because they had lost hope. He was able to keep hope and fight through that. And as we look at that, and as he described that, uh, hopelessness, we can call it despair. And I remember, hopelessness is a very powerful tool in our world. It is used... In light situations and in heavy, important situations. As a coach, when I got a coach really good teams, we wanted to get on top of any team quick and early and remove any hope for them to have a chance to beat us. And if we were the underdog, we wanted to hang on long enough so my players could begin to get hope that, well, we might actually pull off this upset But if you look around, companies do it to other companies. They come on the scene. They want to remove hope from that competing company. In war, when war gets horrible, regimes and dictators want to remove hope from people they're trying to control. They want to make them desperate, make them have no light at the end of the tunnel and feel defeated. See, that's pretty important because this morning we come to the end of this three-year ministry of Jesus Christ. And all along the way, he was under attack from the established religion and from the Pharisees. And and over and over, they tried to beat him in arguments. And every time they debated him, they were embarrassed. and, And Jesus answered in unexpected and amazing ways, humbling them. And then when they got their moment, And they got one of them to turn on Jesus. Judas handed him over. They didn't just want a trial and a victory. They wanted crushing defeat of Jesus. So what did they do? Not only did they beat him, but they made sure he got the most visible, public, excruciating death possible. They wanted to put a stamp on it. He is not the Messiah. He is not who you're looking for. He is false. And eventually they said, He is dead. They wanted to end everything about this movement of people following this man, Jesus Christ. So much so that they put it under Roman reign so that everything that happened came with an added level of fear. Fear and protection against anything that could happen. The disciples were scattered. The most outspoken right-hand man, the guy next to Jesus, Peter, denied him three times. They all went into hiding, and Judas killed himself in this hopeless time of despair. Jesus was gone. And you know what I'm recounting here, you need to understand this morning, is historical fact. Up to this point, everything I've told you is just fact. It's recorded in the scriptures, recorded outside the scriptures by other historians. A man named Jesus was put to death for what he claimed by the Romans. Now from this point forward, you have a decision to make about what you're going to believe and how you're going to respond to that and how it's going to impact your life. And the question before us is, did he rise from the grave or was hope crushed? Well, in order to ensure that the despair was complete, they went to pretty big extremes. Uh, We have here a picture of what the grave might have looked like. There's a groove there, and that's a heavy stone, and there's a kind of a lip on a lot of these graves, and so it would take a lot of strength to push it over. (laughs) And then it would be uphill and over a little bump to get that stone removed. Well, this is the type of tomb that Joseph of Arimathea took him to. Uh, Another tomb that, uh, if it were to be opened, it had more like a a corkscrew or a, a bottle fitting there, and you would push it in, and so you have to pull it back, and then to roll it, that word roll, you could roll it even though it was a square. And so either way, you see, there was a challenge once that tomb was closed. But remember, they're trying to crush all hope. They're trying to bring despair. And so the Bible tells us that the Romans placed guards there. And you don't touch a Roman guard. You don't confront them. They have full rights to just beat you down right there. But furthermore, they put a seal across it. And what this looks like, it's probably um, they put a rope or a sash or something across it with some clumps of clay. But on that clay, very importantly, was put the Roman seal. And if you're to break that seal, you could end up with the same fate as Jesus himself. They wanted to make sure that nobody messed with this tomb. And they wanted evidence if it happened. They wanted witnesses with the guards. They wanted to destroy all hope. Now, I uh, had the privilege, I meet with pastors around town, and another pastor and I were talking about this picture. And it reminds us of the human heart. (laughs) You see, before... We understand that Jesus Christ is risen. Our heart is sealed off. And we are apart from God. And true living hope is absent. And I wondered this morning if, if maybe there are some here who your heart has been sealed off. Maybe it's been sealed off because of the way people in the church treated you. Maybe it's sealed off because you, you're just not sure if you can believe somebody rose from the grave Maybe it's sealed off because you've been in that situation. You have wanted hope and you've seen a loved one lost. You've seen a relationship broken and you just couldn't do anything to mend it. You've seen the pain of disease, evil committed against one another and you're just wondering where God is at. A broken heart can be a sealed heart. And yet, If you've placed your hopes in someone or something or been disillusioned or disappointed, then I think you can relate to the very man who was in that tomb, Jesus Christ. Everyone abandoned him and he was taken innocently and killed. He understands where we're at. He experienced it. And yet we come to Matthew 28 on that morning and we read this. And it says this. It says this, um, now after the Sabbath, uh, towards the dawn of the first day of the first week, Mary Magdalene and and Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, uh, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the, to the women, he said, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is indeed the hope that we have. Could Jesus have actually risen from the grave? And if he has risen from the grave, what does that mean about hope? If he has risen from the grave, if he has conquered it and he's alive yet today, that should change everything that you view about this world. It's a game changer, it's earth shattering truth. Peter, the very one who denied him, the one who would be restored by him after the resurrection, the one who would preach the first sermon declaring the gospel when filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter writes this. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through the great mercy of God our Father. Mercy is looking down and having pity on somebody who is hopeless and helpless and can't get out of their state or their situation. Mercy is looking down and saying, I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I will cover sins on the cross. I will defeat the greatest tool of despair that any human ever faces. And that is, indeed, Death. You see, the day that God rolled away the stone and and his seal was broken, and he disarmed the gods and he released er, the guards and he released his son from the bondage of death, that is the day that living hope was born. Do you have living hope? Do you want living hope this morning? The author of this verse. Peter cries out to us throughout history, his life was turned around because of this. You see, each and every one of us was born just as Jesus was born. We've all come into the world through a mom, and we were born. Yet because of Jesus Christ, he is the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one to be raised from the dead and stay raised from the dead. He is alive today. And that is why it says we are born again. When you follow Jesus Christ, trust in him alone for salvation and forgiveness of sins, you are born again. No longer is death something you need to fear. It has no hold on you. You have victory over death through Jesus Christ. To be born again means to have new life, new birth into a new family. You have a new inheritance and a new destiny. And just as Jesus was resurrected, we too will be resurrected when he returns and calls us home. Death has been defeated. Now that's an audacious claim, it's being proclaimed around the world on this morning. It's the most amazing claim in human history. But do we believe it? We know this guy Paul, if you've read your Bible, a guy named Saul was going around and he was so upset about this truth being proclaimed, he's going around and killing anyone who proclaimed it men, women, and children. He'd gather crowds. They'd circle around him and any rock they could find, they'd throw him until that person was dead. He encountered the risen Jesus Christ and changed his name from Saul to Paul and he began to proclaim this truth and be beaten for this truth all across the Roman world. And he proclaimed, he said, you know what, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are fools And everything we're doing is a complete waste of time this morning. But if he did rise, then how can we not go around proclaiming who Jesus is and what living hope is? We don't want to sit here because of false hope, no hope, fake hope, or temporary useless hope. We want living hope. So what is living and lasting hope? You feel free to follow along with me in 1 Peter to one of my favorite passages of Scripture where we began this with these verses. He goes on to give us a description of living hope. He gives us a picture of what it is. And so, living hope is, first off, lasting hope. It is lasting hope. It says, we are... Christ has been raised from the dead and we are raised to an inheritance in verse 4 that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I don't know about you, but I don't own anything like that. Maybe if you have a perfect diamond, they say diamonds last forever, but I don't, so I don't get to enjoy it forever. They're an earthly, material thing. But most things we have to, to be undefiled, to be perfect and pure. Imperishable. It doesn't rot or rust or fade away or get out of date. Everything we get that's cool now. Two weeks later, there's new technology that replaces it. It's a lasting hope. It lasts for eternity. You remember the big economic downturn years ago? Everybody puts their hope in what? A 401k. And all of a sudden that 401k dissipated. In Texas it was all about the land you can get or the mineral rights you could get. And families would struggle. I, I led funerals and, and the Hatfields had to sit over here and the McCoys over there and they wouldn't look at each other because of land. Their hope was in that Inheritance. And yet Jesus says we have a lasting hope that goes beyond everything this world has to offer. It is incorruptible, undefiled. It is amazing. But then he goes on to say this and to point this out, he says this. He says, "You who by the power of God are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You are being guarded Better than the guards at the tomb. You're being guarded by the very Holy Spirit. And just as the tomb was sealed, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit seals us. We are adopted into Christ's family. Our names are written in the book of life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now that is a guaranteed hope. You don't have to worry Jesus paid it all. (laughs) All to him we owe. Sin had lost a crimson stain, but washed me white as snow. That is the very Savior that we worship and that we have. He gives us a guaranteed hope. A lot of people will stop there today because that feels so good. I hope it feels good. I liked it. But this goes on to say this, it says in verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that it tests the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And so you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. It's an authentic hope. And I say that because it's real about life, and life is hard. Life doesn't go as we planned. We all learned that this week. Right? I've been in the same spot. You have these ideas and then someone you love gets hit with a disease. Somebody you care about hurts you. The dreams you have for marriage and family and kids. Everything we hold loosely in this world because it is broken by sin. And we feel those consequences. And our faith is tested in these circumstances and in these trials and in our own temptations to go against the Lord's will. But this tells me this is an authentic hope. It's a hope that says, yeah, things are going to get tougher. But we have something beyond this. A Savior, though we have not seen Him, we believe in Him. Though we have not touched Him. We know He is true, and He is real, and He is there. And I think that's why being a part of a church and in community is so amazing. Because there's something inexpressible about this joy we have when we understand that Jesus indeed died on the cross and rose again. This quote says this. It says, Hope does not consist of the expectations that things are going to come out exactly right, but the expectation that they will make sense regardless of how they come out. Because God is in control. And ultimately, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he will be glorified in life, in death, in struggle, in temptation. God even takes some of our sins and takes the mess we've made and makes it into a ministry. That is a hope that lasts That is a hope that says your best life isn't now. Your best life is in eternity. And I, I believe that's why he points us to here in the final verses of this little section in the end of verse eight, he says, though you do not now see him, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. A joy that is inexpressible, at Incline Church, we say, discover joy. That's what we want to talk about. That's what we, the reason we're here for, for you, for this community, is that we want people to have a lasting hope and a joy that is inexpressible because it comes from deep inside. And you can't define it, but you can describe it when you see it. And you know it when it's there. And, and you know whenever it's before you and in, in front of you. And yet, we have to remind ourselves, it's not the expectations that things are going to come out right, but the expectation that they will make sense, regardless of how they come out. God is in control. You see, it's the cross that brings the worst thing ever, the thing was supposed to take everything and hope away in despair. The worst thing ever is the very thing that brings us hope and joy. Because God brings the best things ever out of what man intended to be the worst. And so as we look at this this morning, and I, I wrestled with this. I'm like, how can you preach this? Just to be honest with you, how can you preach this when you... I see human beings. They don't know Jesus. and They floated out in the middle of the ocean, attacked by sharks and survived. There's human beings who've seen cancer and overcome. There are those who go and do humanitarian aid and give people that tangible hope. So what's the difference? The difference is that living hope is a lasting hope, a guaranteed hope, a joy-filled hope, an eternal hope. The, The human spirit can do a lot of things when motivated by the fear of death. And if you think of those hope circumstances, it really is the fear of death that can pull out of us some amazing feats. People move cars to save lives out of that adrenaline in the fear of death. Well, we no longer have to fear death. We're to be fearless. That's why I absolutely love the ministry that Steve does because they go into these villages and they give them hope. Tangible things to do to improve their lives with water, crops, but they always undergird that with eternal hope brought alongside. So not only can they can have a better life a few weeks from now, but months and years and for eternity if they come to Christ. And I tell you it's it's amazing, you know it when you see it when we went into prisons and you saw a prisoner who began to grasp that there is a hope beyond just trying to get out, and then you come back a year later and they said, "Look, this disciple making packet. I finished it and, and, and I've got a new perspective on my whole life, and you begin to see well they really are they're changing from the inside while they're on the inside that God is Changing their lives, there is hope. And I've seen it with marriages, with husbands and wives and men and women and children. When we begin to grasp living hope, it changes our perspective on everything. You see, Jesus is alive. He was dead on Friday, dead on Saturday, but come Sunday morning, he rose again from the grave, conquering death once and for all and achieving for us a living hope that is lasting and guaranteed and full of joy. And I wonder this morning are you willing to step out and allow the living hope of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, to bring you joy? Are you willing to choose and to pray for that perspective? Because sometimes, honestly, I don't have it. But when I get around other believers, they remind me I need it. Or they lift my arms up when I can't get them up. They come beside me and say, there is hope. You can feel the pain. You can walk through the struggle. And we know that it's an authentic hope. Because it addresses those trials. And in the midst of that, even though you feel bad, you are sad. You could be angry. Joy is not a feeling. It's a perspective that says, I cannot be defeated. This hurts. But I cannot be defeated. And Christ has risen from the grave. And my life can mean something. And I can impact eternity for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are risen. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the author and perfecter of hope. Living hope is active and ongoing hope that never, ever can be crushed. It is so hard to keep that perspective, Lord. Help us to do that. Even today, to just taste of that joy this morning, of that amazing grace How sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And in being found, there is living, lasting hope. Let us not be peddlers of a false hope or a light hope or a get-everything-you-want-right-now hope, but let us give the hope that matters in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our kids' life. May these young ones in this room Pursue a hope that is living and not cling to these momentary pleasures that distract us from the eternal mission you've given us. And may that joy just pour through our hearts and minds and impact this community. And this morning, if this is the morning, if any of you say, I need that kind of hope. I believe Jesus rose from the grave. Just tell him. Ask forgiveness for your sins and He will enter in. And your name will be written in the book of life. Any of us in this room would love to speak with you and share with you if that's your step of faith today. We want to come alongside you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please